Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Thought Cafe. It's your co-host Nikhil, Dada, and Mira. On this episode, we're going to be doing an episode in honor of Women's. Uh, damn it! It's it's not Women's History Month. It's International Women's. Month. Yeah, it's okay. It's, okay. it's one of them. Okay, I don't it's really. Just women. We'll figure it out later. But we support women, even if we can't get it right. <laughs> but before, oh, yeah. we start, before we start we do have a quick disclaimer because there will be some facts on this episode <laughs> some only some we will be spitting straight facts today guys <laughs> no lies from here um no in all seriousness um this is our disclaimer if you've been listening to our podcast you're probably used to it but just as a quick recap one we are all you know growing evolving human beings we're all teenagers you know we've like done our research but at the same time our opinions are liable to change in a few years and yeah this is just a begging for you guys not to cancel us Honestly, yeah. Um, and then the part two of this is to tell you that, however, although the fact, although we are teenagers, we also do research and there is information behind this that is valid and legitimate. And that's why you should always take the chance to head onto our website, www.thoughtcafepodcast.com, where you can find all of our sources for our website, for our um, episodes. Um, and, you know, you can fact check us and keep us accountable to the things that we say. And also, if any of this interests you, you can check out the sources behind this and really learn more because these are really valuable learning things i think yeah and also if you've been listening to our podcast for a while um you would know we always do a little question segment where we go around ask each other questions but we answer for the other person um you'll you'll see how we do it in a second but basically um in honor of international women's month or women's history month we should probably figure out <laughs> which we should have figured this out at the start of the episode jesus christ <laughs> someone google it while i'm talking but um basically the question is um what national month holiday thing would we set up and what in what month would it be so you know there's you know there's black history of the month there's women's month there's you know different cancer awareness month heart failure month yeah all of them are great and totally worthwhile month holidays to bring recognition to but um if we could set one up not removing those but kind of in supplement to those important ones um, which ones would we implement so um just before we get started i just searched it up it is women's history month um, so yeah. <laughs> Our listeners were wondering, we are smart out here in the podcast. Great, we figured it out three minutes in. (laughs) Again, we do do research, guys. There is facts here. Um, Okay, so I guess let's go into the the question. So I guess we're answering for Nikhil first. All right. What month would Nikhil implement, Donna? What do you think? So bad. (laughs) Okay, Nikhil... You're a summer dude to me, you know? You, like, you give me, like, beach vibes. So this isn't necessarily like, correlated to the holiday, like, the, um, you know, like, the social issue of your choosing. But because you give me summer vibes, you, like, remind me of a kind of dude that'd be like, yeah, let's stick it on, like, one of the summer months just because it's warm. <laughs> So definitely, like, a July or, like, a June. I can see, like, a strong May. Um, and then the actual thing... I, I want to say like foster children aware, foster system like awareness. Oh, we're month. doing serious ones. I oh, are we? Okay. <laughs> oh. I mean, I was gonna say like in all seriousness, and then I was gonna do like a funny one. Oh, okay, we okay, don't okay, want. okay. Then I have to think of a serious one. Continue. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, like, the foster system, um, as we've mentioned many times before, Nikhil is the head of a, a nonprofit called Snuggles for Children, fantastic organization. Um, oh, and he really cares about this issue. So, you know, um, I think you'd have a month for it in May, because why the hell not? Um, and then, in all seriousness, I think you would have an Olympian month. Like, I think you would oh, have for, just to yeah. celebrate different athletes from the Olympics. And you'd be like, Michael Phelps is cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and May second, you'd be like Ryan Lochte's cool, and then May third, you'd be like Gabrielle Douglas is cool. Hmm. I don't know if that's really her name. I 
I'm blanking on old pizza no, tapes right now. Right. Yeah. No, I give them like candy too, probably. <laughs> no, yeah. it was like if like they visited everyone's house like every month. Like they just drive around and visit everyone's house in the US. If that was possible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. a little like labor, but okay. <laughs> okay. Um I think I would just agree with Don on the serious one. But this one's kind of serious too for Nikhil. He takes this issue pretty seriously and, and really makes it a point. Actually, okay, for his serious one, I think he would make everyone go no social media for a month. He would like challenge everyone to do that. That would be his like serious cause. But but he'd like make fun of you if you couldn't do it. Like you know, like no, no, he wouldn't make fun of you. He'd be like, I'm no, I would. He <laughs> absolutely. I'm gonna send you a formal disappointed email. <laughs> exactly. I'll send you like commas and periods. Yeah. Hi. Situation. Oh my god. But um, another one that I think he, he would really value and with think is important for society it would be national napping month meaning everyone just goes into hibernation for 30 days <laughs> and no one has, can do anything but like eat sleep maybe and then at the end everyone runs a marathon with no training <laughs> and that, like, ends the month. incidentally everyone fails the marathon with no training yeah but it's like okay we napped and now we run <laughs> I actually think that would be productive, though. I would agree on that. Though. Honestly, I'd get behind you if you did it. Thank you. Thank you. I'll figure I escaped out a way to, to Russia for the marathon. Okay, what should we do next? Donna. Donna? It's a tough one. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like you give me strong teacher vibes sometimes, <laughs> especially with your room setup. It's like kindergarten teacher vibes, but I know. I feel like you kind of hate little kids. Like a little bit. You never said it, but I feel it. Not so gonna I lie, I really do. <laughs> yeah, okay. I feel... I don't know. I think there would be like a month where like everyone... I don't know. You know how we have the unconferences at our school? I feel like you probably set up something like that where you just like teach something to everybody. But like it would only be kids that you like. Like all of the kids that you don't like, they would just wouldn't be in your class. But I think you definitely set up something like that. On a serious note, on a not so serious note, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine you like yelling at people. I don't know why, but like a national yelling month. Like it was just normal and you can't get in trouble. I can definitely imagine that. Amazing. <laughs> yelling month? <laughs> what? Like instead of talking, Donna, people just yelled at each other. Yelling at people 4 7 for 30 days? It's funny that he mentions the hating children thing because I was asked to babysit like once and it to this day is maybe one of the worst days of my life. <laughs> okay. I don't know if this is a serious note or like a, like a joking one, but I, I think it's a good combination of the two. I think Donna would work it out with Congress that she gets one month to come into the Capitol and yell at all the senators and representatives and tell them to get their shit together. And she would like prepare presentations on everything she needs she thinks should get done, but she only has like a month to do it. <laughs> um But I, like so yeah, but for maybe like a less serious even though that's not that one's not that serious, I think Donna would do like a national I don't know. Actually, no, I'll just stick with the first one. I think it's a good combo of the two. She just goes and yells at Congress for 30 days. Ooh, but what day would that be? Ooh, oh, and I think my. it would be in the month of September. I feel like September is a good month. It's before your birthday, so you'll get it all out, and then like your birthday present will be like, finally, I'm done with these bozos. I've enacted legislation. I'm good. <laughs> okay, for so Mira now. Well, for a joking one, you would definitely, and I don't know if this is more just for me, but also, like, you live on a road which has the name of, like, old dead artists and writers and poets, and the first time I learned that you lived on a road which was, like, named after these old, like, you know, like, these famous artists and writers, I got so mad. Right now, Donna? I, I, I got so mad because I was like, Jesus Christ, of course you would live on like an artsy like kind of road named after something like that, you know? So um, 
for like a jokey one, I really sincerely think you would have a stab Caesar month and it would just kind of be you being like, it would be in July and it would be a joke. The name of it would be stab Caesar, but you would be very respectful of Caesar. And it would just be you kind of bringing up the old classics being like, guys, like this is cool stuff, you know? And like, cause you're like, you're like a literature nerd at heart, you know? Like you pretend you're cool, but you're also a nerd about literature. much as I am and I think you'd really make an effort to introduce you know like diverse literature and like old classics but like you spent so much time in ninth grade telling me you'd read like Don Quixote or some shit like that or I'm definitely pronouncing it wrong imagine reading (laughs) exactly and like you would have a literature month no yeah you only said that so that you could throw in the Julius Caesar joke (laughs) (laughs) absolutely I was like, what? It's going to be in July, guys. For you? um, Oh, I saw you made that new route. This is what gave me the idea, right? You made that new rock climbing route, the one you go mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I think you'd have a day, or not a day, but like a month. Do you have a lot of rock climbers that you look up to, maybe? No? Yeah. I feel like you'd have a month for that, where like everyone just, like you force everyone to at least try the routes on something. Like even if they die, you're like, okay, let's <laughs> <you> try it. <laughs> She forces everyone to just go rock climbing for a while. Run up the hill. <laughs> but no, I could definitely see that happening. I think that'd actually be fun too. Probably be in... Oh, I was going to say March because you can march up the mountain. But that's kind of a bad pun. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Maybe... I feel like it's kind of hot. So maybe April. I feel like April has good weather for that. Or like March, I feel like. Like you start... Oh, aside from the bad pun. Like it does have pretty nice weather. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like these noobs can never can never rock climb. <laughs> I can also see like a women's sports month coming out of you. You know, like I know oh, we already have yeah. like a women's history month. I can also see you being like, listen, like I think we should have. I like. I think we should take legitimate consideration to like the issues that exist and the disparities that exist in sports between women and men. And I can totally see you wanting a month that recognizes that, and you spend it trying to fix it, like in all seriousness. Yeah. No. Totally. I think there is a woman in sports day, though. Um. I think there is. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's in March. It. I think it's this month. It was like maybe like because they wanted to march up a hill too. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, um, we should probably get into our episode because it's already been like 13 minutes. Um, so you guys got to know us a little bit better. Um, but Donna, do you want to kind of explain the meat of what we're talking about today? Absolutely. So just to, in case you haven't heard it 15 million times by now, I'm happy International Women's history Um, and in honor of that we wanted to look into a little bit of feminism that is a little bit more controversial in the sense that i do think oh any part of feminism is controversial honestly um but uh so we're looking basically into the motherhood penalty and the wage gap because a part of it yes is inequality in the workplace in like a very stereotypical way as i think we all like to think of Um, But another part of it is a little more difficult to dissect, and it's a little more difficult to easily solve. And I think this is the one that we wanted to talk about. So essentially what we're talking about with the motherhood penalty is the idea that after you have a child, you obviously have to take maternity leave and leave your work for, you know, at least a few months, at most a few years to kind of get yourself together. You've just had this massive life-changing event. And that takes a toll on, you know, your ability to move up in the workforce. And it takes a toll on your boss's perceptions of you. It takes a toll on your wages. Um, And that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why the wage gap is so difficult to fight. Aside from the fact that on surface, you know, you do have men that are just kind of preemptively paid a little more than women. And so... Yeah, sorry. And um, really quickly, before we get into like our discussion, just so that everyone's kind of on the same page as the three of us, um, when we're talking about feminism, I, we know that there's a lot of different definitions or connotations that can come with the word. Um, we define feminism for this conversation, and I think for most of us in our everyday lives, um, basically complete equality between the sexes, you know, economically, socioeconomically, just complete equality between the sexes. And yeah, yeah. 
Thank you. There's a lot of other things that come with feminism now, but um, I'm not even completely sure what all of them are because it's always changing. So that's why we're associating with like, not really first wave, but just equality among both genders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. So I did most of my research on the pay gap because <laughs> I started watching a lot of like Prager U and these other ones. And it was, it was kind of out. Don't, how dare you give them free advertising on our world renowned podcast? I mean, that yeah, out. I, don't think it's, I don't think it's harmful to watch it. I think if you watch it with like your own ideas as well, like you don't just go in like completely open minded. And I don't think it's that bad because it helps you like create your own thoughts as well. But um, I did some research on the pay gap as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. From Prager so, U? No, not from Prager U. That was just <laughs> videos I was watching. It's from like a legit website. But um, one of the things that I found, which was pretty interesting. So you know how they usually scale it on like the $1 level? per yeah. one set, uh, that one white man earns. So it's pretty interesting. Like most people would think that white women would be making the second most after white men, but it's actually Asian women by 11. Hey! Sorry, that's not <laughs> actually a good thing. I mean, yeah, it's so Asian women make 90 cents for every $1 a white man makes and white women make um, 79 cents for every $1. And then the least uh, made- Sorry, Mira. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? The closer- any kind of woman gets up there like i'm all for it and then the least one is i was very surprised because i did think it would be black women but it's actually hispanic and latina women which is 54 cents for every one dollar a man makes and so a white man makes so i thought this was like okay like a couple cents right i was like okay this isn't that bad or not that's not that bad but i was like okay like i didn't really see the full outcome so the website actually did a really good job and showed what it is later so one example, I can just show the white women. So for every year um, they work, the average a white woman makes $13,186 less and then than a um, white man. And then for Hispanic uh, women, they make $28,000 less. And so usually people work for about 40 years, right? From 20 to 65, I think 65, 70 is about the retirement age so i thought it was like this website's amazing they did a really cool job of showing like how much that money is if you do it across 40 years so it's actually crazy so for latino and hispanic women they make about 1.1 million less over a 40 year period which is crazy and of course some of this is attributed to like obviously like bias and injustice in the workplace system but um some of the main things that i that they brought up i thought was pretty interesting about how they just have less experience in general because they're taking care of their kids because um, yeah, because they're taking care of their kids. Um, there's differences in the hours work since a lot more women work part-time to help their children. And also, I mean, of course there's the one about differences in, in, in industries and jobs work. I think that's kind of a general one, but I think like there's two or three bullet points about differences in years of experience, which I think is due to kids differences in hours work, which is again, due to kids. And that was like two to four. So I just thought it's pretty interesting about because women, I mean, sometimes men force women to have kids and things like that. But I do think as we're moving forward, it's starting to become a choice now. So it's just pretty interesting to look at the other factors besides just blaming it all on discrimination. I think also it's interesting then to move into the idea of because this is also typically referred to as the motherhood penalty, right? Because, like, the penalty for deciding to become a mother is accepting parts of this wage difference. And I think it's interesting because I do think you see this argument from some parts of the feminist movement which say it's harmful to refer to this as a motherhood penalty because it's a choice that women are making. Like, the decision to have kids is an active decision, which means that it's not okay to call it a penalty or like some kind of punishment because that demeans the decision that women are making for this. And it kind of takes away the accountability of their actions. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I think it's an interesting perspective regardless. Mm, well, I think it's probably situational, you know? Like, I think that's a term that doesn't need to be applied to all women. I think for some women, it might feel like a penalty and to others, it might not. So that's why, like... I, you know, I, I think that's subjective. I think the wage gap itself, I think, would be considered a penalty if we're just generalizing, disregarding the motherhood aspect of it. But I think the biggest um, thing we need to, like, 
talk about when we're having this conversation because like ultimately I think our goal as a society is to eventually solve the pay gap and like not solve well hopefully solve it you know and solve back is basically talk about like why are women maybe having these children at younger ages why aren't women staying in the workforce even after they have children and when I was doing my research a lot of it came down to education and like how much education a mother had so um so a According to the New York Times, and this data is from 2018, so it's like pretty recent, might be a little bit outdated, but it was basically that of all the groups of women who are more, so basically in the United States for some background, fertility rates, so the amount of children a woman, a singular woman might have has gone down, but the amount of amount of women themselves having children has gone up. Does that make sense? Can you say that again? So like, if before one, no, if before like maybe like three out of five women had children and they had like multiple children, like they each had three children. Now yeah. maybe like four out of five have children, but they only each have one. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. So it's like less children overall, but more women were having babies. Um. Anyway, so... How does education play into them taking off time, though? Yeah, so it's basically that of all the... Um, it's basically that because women are pursuing education more and having degrees more, and then because they're pursuing degrees, they have more money. Not only do women with degrees, but especially women with a higher socioeconomic status are more likely to have children later on. So I think the median age is like between 32 and 40 years old now, which is like very much on the late side of pregnancy. And they end up having like less children. Um, and because you have less children, you're allowed, you know, less kids to take care of, less of a reason to stay home. Whereas if you didn't go to college, you, um, you know, according to data, you're more likely to have more children, which doesn't really, you're more children to take care of, less likely to go back to college, less likely to reenter the workforce, which I thought was really interesting and an interesting correlation there. Incidentally, there are organizations specifically, I remember I was looking into this a few years back. Poverty is Sexist, I think, is an organization that exists that kind of recognizes all of this. And it's the idea that because a significant number of women, it basically kind of is another like piece. It's another gear in this giant like circle and this gigantic like kind of puzzle piece of like how does the building blocks of discrimination and inequality kind of like grow to kind of reach us in every part of our lives and poverty and sexist kind of addresses the idea of how a lack of education and women you know there is less education that's being um fought for for women even though like currently we're trying to fix that and women's education is such a massive issue how does that kind of play out in every part and how does that primarily make more women go into poverty than men do i don't know if it's i mean i get the part with education but i'm not like that might be true for statistics but i don't i think it comes down to like whatever not principles but like whatever like scope you look at life through like there's a lot of women who look at life through like their career or they like they're the main thing they want is maybe a good career. The main thing they want is family. So I'm not sure if it depends on education because I know a lot of like highly educated women that had kids early on, considering like the median age now for highly educated women. So I'm not so sure it's like directly or related to education. Well, also, I think a fascinating case study to look at is Rwanda, because I think Rwanda is ninth best in terms of dealing with its wage gap. And I'm pretty sure 11 years ago, it was like third best, but I might be wrong on this one. Right now, I think in 2020, it is ninth best. And essentially, the reason for this is because after the Rwandan genocide, a significant part of their population, I think, like I think their population gender statistics ended up becoming uneven. And what you ended up seeing was because so much of their workforce was now predominantly women, you needed to see policies put in place. And you needed to see these women kept into the work and kept paid and kept economically available as much as possible. So you had paid maternity leave, I think for three months longer than America does. Um, and essentially the 
uh, thing behind this is that now that these women have paid maternity leave, when you see them kind of re-enter the workforce, like A, they have some kind of fiscal backing behind them, B, there's a ton of other kind of variables that end up playing in with the idea of paid maternity leave, and that ends up decreasing the wage gap, like, significantly. And I think it's fascinating that Rwanda is the country that we're talking about, because obviously, you know, when you think developing country, I think, you know, we do have an unconscious bias that I don't think is entirely incorrect in stating that there are larger issues of discrimination that kind of exist in these developing countries. And the fact that Rwanda is such a fascinating example of how you see a decreased wage gap significantly than America it's always been fascinating to me. Yeah, and just yeah, that's for some context yeah. really quickly. So the top five countries with like the best um, or like the smallest wage gap, most equality between the sexes in the workforce is Iceland at number one, Norway at number two, Finland number three, then Rwanda is number four, and then Sweden. So go Rwanda. Of we- <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just because Rwanda, I mean, it makes sense because there's more women in the workforce. I think the same thing would happen here. If there's more women than men in the workforce here, then I think the same thing would happen but then, as well, just because majority kind of rules. But then it's how do you encourage more women to stay in the workforce or to continue? Because it's hard when, you know, these corporations aren't like required to provide these things like paid maternity leave and whatever you know or there's like there's no government legislation dictating these things because in other countries there is yeah i also another thing i found too which when i was writing my solutions which i'll or like possible solutions are <laughs> not the solution right now. but um but like another thing too is that so i was researching it, so i think the uh maternity leave in the u.s is like six weeks to three months and the recommended health is like 12 weeks so that's about like 23% of the year, 12 weeks, and then three months is like 25%. And so I also looked about like how many kids each family is having now. So it's getting closer to two. I think 2018 was 1.9 and 2019 was 1.93. So just like that, having two kids, like an average of two kids, that's like 50% of a year gone. And besides a pay gap as well, I think you lose a lot of momentum and connections to move up. Like all the relationships you built before, you're basically... 12 weeks off and as we know from covid like it completely destroys relationships when you don't talk to people or see people for 12 weeks so i think that definitely takes away a lot more promotions and things like that well men i think they're starting to be different you leave now um yeah they're trying to be paternity leave now but i do uh think that i don't know it's kind of, it's really unfair because women have to deal with like all the physical harms of it but i think men like they're not so tired that they can't still call their people at work and they have like even if it's like four weeks they can still connect with people so i think promotions and relationships are also something that's affected you guys well i think sorry donna you can go i think to kind of interact with the idea of paternity leave i think paternity leave's very purpose though is to ensure that those relationships and like possible promotions aren't completely dissolved by the time you get back to work in the sense that you give labor you know you're out of commission for ideally a few months as you kind of recover both physically and you have a completely newborn baby at home and then I think the idea is that the father then takes leave for a little bit he takes care of the child so you can prepare to go back into work and that way like instead of being a few like let's say like I I do know cases and at this point it's no longer paid it just turns into unpaid leave or you might have to leave your job where it takes a few years to do that kind of recovery. And I think if the father can kind of take on some of that burden, that means you do have the ability to go back into work and kind of reconnect with those old relationships and start kind of working on those same work bonds to move back up in the world. Yeah, I also think you're physically, I'm not sure, I actually don't know the whole process. (laughs) It was like, we watched the video in seventh grade, but um, I don't, uh, (laughs) I think, I don't know. I still think 12 weeks. I don't know how long it takes a body to recover after pregnancy, but I do think your mind is definitely somewhere else when you have a kid at home as well. And your body probably still isn't like 100%. So I think even 12 weeks is kind of a long time. Like that's, that's three months. I know like after three months of quarantine, I didn't talk to anyone else. So, I mean, like all, like everyone works for promotions. Like if you're in the workforce and you're working for someone else, I think you work for promotions, which is more money. So I, it's like a giant setback 
So I guess it's just like choosing, I don't know. I think it's kind of choosing what principles and what highs and lows that you want. Cause I think they both come with their benefits and cons. Well, also just cause we keep talking about physically recovering, you kind of touched on the mental recovery, but to my understanding, like for a lot of women, you know, there's so much that happens mentally, like postpartum depression, or even just like actually forming that connection between you and your child. Like, obviously it's kind of innate, but like, you're not like, I, I don't, I didn't actually do research on this. Um, so I might be talking out of my ass here, but like it probably, there's probably something to say about, you know, spending a couple of weeks with that child and forming that emotional bond. Like, like there's probably something that could happen if like, the baby's not neglected by the mother in its first early weeks, but I can definitely see there probably being some psychological ramifications possibly. So No, I think postpartum depression, I remember reading statistics about it. For something we as a society don't really love to talk about, it's massive. I th- It affects, I think, a very significant statistic, and um, I, none of these statistics are coming to mind right now. But it is truly a gigantic issue, and we really don't talk about it a ton, which is kind of shocking to me. And I also think there's something to be said about, like, it kind of being a luxury to be able to bond with your child without worrying about, like, what is it doing to you financially and for your job, you know? Like, I think that's something women should kind of have a right to do without having to be concerned about, like, oh, what are the fiscal ramifications of this? Well, I mean, they do have job security when they get back. But I'm talking about like their career afterwards. It's like if you imagine the slope, it's probably a lot. Yeah, like the promotional more. security, not like oh, am I no longer going to get that promotion? Yeah. Promotional I'm security talking. is like gone for like yeah. the next few months, I think. Yeah. Um, I think we've been talking for a while, so let you guys think about what we said, and uh, we hope you enjoy our uh, short snippet of some lo-fi or lo-fi music. I still don't know how to pronounce it, but um, we'll be back in a little bit. guys i hope you enjoyed that brief break that we had um and the lo-fi music for 15 seconds because otherwise i think we get copyrighted and demonetized always fun stuff um anyways so to kind of get us into the second half um well Nikhil has single-handedly solved the wage gap and by this i mean you know he has solutions so um and let's throw it over <laughs> wait before we do just to preface this these are solutions he thought of in the 15 seconds you were listening yeah. to the break so Nikhil, take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, just to say, this is probably more informative than Wikipedia, but um, <laughs> please don't follow this. Or if you want to, you can take inspiration. Don't forget to tag me if you do. I'd like some follow at least. But um, just a disclaimer again, there's no research behind my solutions right now. It's just what I logically thought out. So I'll take you through the process. So at first I was like, okay, bet. Like these monies, these companies have so much money. Okay, they can just cut out a small percentage of their money to pay them more. But then I was like, okay, the only fix is the financial part. Plus no company's going to do that. That's just dumb for revenue and profits. So they're not going to do that, right? So then I came to, so then I thought about like, what would the ideal world would be, right? The ideal world would be that women give birth then they go straight back to work the next day and they're completely fine, right? Like in the ideal world, like if that was possible, then that would solve like at least I think five to maybe 10 cents. I don't know. It's probably not that. That's just what I'm assuming. Maybe five to 10 cents of the pay gap, maybe less. I don't know. It would definitely solve some part of it. But um, so I didn't include the uh, postpartum depression part in my thing yet, but I just added it. So my solution to this is, um, so the first one is of course we can't pay like the whole thing, right, for maternity leave. So I do think companies should take out at least a small part. I know when you leave a job or even when you retire, they give you a small part. So I definitely think there should be a plan set up for maternity leave, whether it's like 20% of your paycheck or something like that. That would cost a company a lot more, but it would also be good for the company in terms of PR that they support women and things like that. So it's good PR for them. Plus, it's not that much money. It's not like paying them everything as well. I so it's like it's a reasonable solution, right? The ideal world is they just pay them the whole thing, but that's not going to happen because no one. Wait, wait, no, doesn't that actually happen though? Like, no one wants to lose like billions, is. and then the other exactly that, right? And Americans do 
American companies are weird. But also, can we go back yeah, to where Nikki goes? Giving thing. women equal pay is <laughs> good for PR. <laughs> um. Whoa. Okay. It's also good for, I, like, okay. I don't I'm know, the women you look at it objectively, right? Is it not? It is good for PR. Can actually, um, you know, like, grow socioeconomically in, so they can spend more in the economy, spending more in the economy so means the economy grows, of, the economy does better, the business the, does better the because they've done business can better from the economy. Sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know we took economics 101 this year. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, but, but, okay, what I was saying is that, because uh, you have to give the company something, they're not just, I mean, they'll yeah. help for human rights, right? But companies only go so far until, like, you really push them. So I think that could be one possible thing. The postpartum depression, I can't put this in 10 seconds. This is probably not a good response, but I do think companies should have like some therapists. I know they have PR and HR, but those people like from all the stories I've heard, they're not that good at helping with um, mental health. So I do think companies should hire some type, not a guidance counselor, but some type of therapist. I know women who have given birth and they have a therapist and it's definitely helped them a lot more. So I do think that's well, something think that's true. They are really expensive. Question. Sorry, to kind of so I don't break know how into much the budget that bit. is. Um, what do you think about the government providing therapists instead of the company? So if you leave your company on negative terms, or for example, let's say you do end up taking more time than a company would like, and you kind of end up dissolving some of those bonds that we were talking about in terms of promotional opportunities, in terms of like job security. What do you think about like government policies for therapy after you give birth? Mm, I would say no, not because obviously not not because mental health is not an issue that should be addressed through legislation, but because I think therapy can often be such an individualized thing, and I don't think the government would be able to adequately provide like services to the like the specificities of each individual mother who needs to like, not doing a good job. No, but I mean like government subsidized therapy. No, but the government's not good at that. Like they're horrible at mental health. Like if you look at the foster system too, with them giving caseworkers, they call that mental well, not health. Even, they're not even also just people that, that work for like, the state what don't really like their job government too, subsidies, right? Like, so they have to approve certain like they'd have to approve certain therapy offices and like what if they, the only therapists that are approved, like for government subsidies, are therapists you like, even at the most surface of levels, like therapists you don't vibe with? And I know that might sound like kind of like surface level, but I think like I haven't ever been to a therapist, but to my understanding, you do have to have some kind of oh, yeah. connection to your therapist. So I don't think that would be the most efficient way to do that. Yeah. Well, realistically, how many. Therapist is the company going to hire that you like five with? You know, well, no, like, I don't think that company should hire therapists either. I think both are bad ideas. <laughs> I think Whoa. I don't, and I don't know if this is already. Okay. Well, maybe they don't hire. Maybe they pay the for the company's insurance policies. There be- should be, um, like maybe like whatever. I don't know how insurance works entirely, but like. They, sh- they should, the, your company should pay for your therapy kind of thing. Like, you can choose your therapist, but the company can, like... I think that exists, though, back in the original problem of how, like, you know, like, you let's say you're taking longer than the company wants. Let's say you're starting to, like, dissolve some of those bonds that you kind of, like, headed into maternity leave with. You're starting to dissolve some of those promotional bonds. You start seeing your boss get kind of impatient. Like, like the original problems that exist with tying healthcare intrinsically to work, you know? Okay, but that exists if the company hires it. Like, even more so. You're saying that, like, if, if, you, the com- if the company isn't doing that well, or you don't, you like, you lose ties with the company, and then what do you do when you don't have a therapist from the company? Because... Yeah. your bonds aren't good maybe you leave the company as well then what do you do for postpartum depression the same thing happens with health insurance like i don't really know i mean yeah. <laughs> i think we're kind of tackling like right now i think we're tackling a broader idea of like health care in general in this country but 
like I think a problem with tying like one of I think a very significant reason why healthcare in this country you know has been shown to be failing or like doesn't really do the most that it could is because it's intrinsically tied to companies and I think women kind of bear a significant brunt of that in the sense that when you do see them take maternity leave their healthcare in some part does end up being affected because it's tied to a company that is maybe not so fond of them because they're taking a significant time off. Well, isn't it? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure if this is right, but I'm pretty sure like if two people are married, like my dad and my mom, right, then they choose one healthcare insurance from either of them. They choose the better one. So I think that only falls on people who are single moms. Oh, that's a good point. But also it's single moms. I feel so bad for single moms. Like after this research, they really like, I feel so bad for them. Shout out to, I don't know any single moms that are listening to this, but um, if you are, uh, we support you because that's like one hell of a Or single dads too, but any kind of single parent. Oh, and I think that kind of ties back into a Rwanda example of like the one you do have a significant part of your, I mean, not to say this crudely, but you know, you do have like more women in your workforce now because- post-genocide you kind of saw those dynamics play out i think you ended up seeing a ton of single women yeah and that's what happened oh single ladies oh sorry oh my god every time i hear that listen to like the the chipmunks one what is that um, yeah oh my god the chipettes the chipettes yeah <laughs> sorry that was really loud okay um yeah i know so I know we talked about uh, solutions. That was just some of it. But uh, I know we went to get into something else that I thought, yeah. I also think, and you were saying this, I was thinking of this as you were saying it. I don't think we can ever realistically implement it, but I do want your guys' opinions on this. What do you think of preemptively paying women more than men? Like, and that solves for the wage gap inevitably because when they end up taking maternity leave, it kind of does that shifting job innately. No. I don't think so. I think that <laughs> I don't think that'll work because, like, of course, we think all people are good people. There's gonna be women who just say, like, okay, I want higher pay, and then they don't get pregnant, and they have higher pay than men, which is just that's not equality. But, but women are also the only ones that can get pregnant. So, like, yeah, I don't think it should be like that. I think maybe if they do get pregnant, then you just pay them even, which I don't think they're gonna do. And I don't, I'm not sure why companies would do that either. It doesn't really make sense that they would get paid more off the bat, too. Because that's a double standard as well, I think. That solution kind of sounds like th- like it would literally mean throwing money at the issue. Like, oh, women are paid less. Let's just pay them more. I mean, I came and- up with them like five. Like, I understand yeah. that. No, no, no. I know. No, no, no. I'm not like, and also you're like, Donna, you're great and you're very smart. You're, but you're probably not the first person ever, like, you know. I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm saying like, I'm not attacking only Donna on this issue. I'm saying anyone who has ever proposed this idea, I'm speaking to you now when I say, I don't know if, what do you think? Like, Donna? there's so much more. And even in our conversation, like, there's so much more than just like, oh, they're paid less. It's like, oh, they have children. Oh, they have to, sub- like, they have to deal with like external factors such as like i don't know like misogyny in the workplace or they have to deal with things like postpartum depression like after they have children or there's also barriers in education and i feel like absolutely and that's by preemptively like let's say let's use the dollar example right instead of paying them i'm rounding numbers right now but like 75 cents to a man's dollar you pay them like a dollar 25 to a man's dollar because inevitably as you see those other variables that you just talk about come into play you'll see that pay wage gap close itself but then do you change it based off of race too like if it's an asian american woman you compensate her less if it's an african-american woman or a white woman you pay them like a little bit more like i'm just like curious like how would you address, like, adjust it to, like, fully meet the... I honestly don't know enough about the racial dynamics and the exact reasons why the racial dynamics play out beyond, like, just discrimination at face value. But I still, I think it's an interesting idea to preemptively solve for the, like, consequences of taking maternity leave by paying them those 25 cents more than a dollar and then seeing whether that levels itself out because you'll have women that become pregnant. You have the education factors. You have those barriers. I don't know if I do that. I Well, back to, uh, to cover both points. 
Amir's point about it, like covering the other things, I think money helps everything. Like even if you throw money at it, if you pay them more, they can afford better therapists. They can have or like buy better daycares and things like that. Or like there's night nannies as well to help take care. So I do think money does help in an aspect, but I don't think even adding like one or two cents more than men, I don't think it's right because it's only 12 weeks, right? It can go up to three months. And if you have multiple kids, that's fine. But if you do it over a 40 year period, you saw how like 10 cents impacted it. I mean, of course, like we don't know the exact percentage, but even if it's just a couple cents, maybe like two to five cents, I think it's definitely then they're going to be making way more than men, even if you include the um, maternity leave. So I don't think it makes sense because they're then just going to be making more. Well, but like, and doesn't it kill your drive too, kind of? That like you're making more than men, so why do you have to move up then? I think wouldn't it kills hurt our drive also if we know we're making less money? Like why should I even like I don't know. And I also think there's something to be said for the idea that like men knowing that they make less than make more than women. Like you know, like I think that argument can kind of be cross applied. Like men, yeah. Like why aren't men less motivated because they know they make more money? Well, I don't think. I don't know. I just don't think it should be more. I think it should be equal. I don't think. But also, I... having more is just reversing the whole situation again. I don't think twelve weeks of your life out of forty years is gonna, even if you increase it by one percent, one percent for every dollar for every year in forty years, which is the average. That's way more than whatever it is. But alternatively, I think you do see this. Like, obviously, this is a different world, right? Like, I don't think it's possible to implement the solution. But I think you currently see men. For literally thousands, for, you know, like in American history and internationally, just fundamentally be paid more. Either that's at face discrimination or it's the issue of pregnancy. And I think, and other variables too, I know we're simplifying this right now. But also, I think that if you preemptively solved for it, yes, women would be paid more at the beginning. But by the end of it, like, it would have evened out. I don't think it's good. But wouldn't this, like, also, like, obviously, I acknowledge the existence of the wage gap. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist by any means. But there are probably situations for, like, certain women where it's not as applicable or not to the same extent. Like, there are probably, like, like, the the wage gap's, like, an average, right? Like, the average women in all fields. But, like, I can definitely see, like, women in certain fields facing a larger wage gap than others and women's and other like facing a smaller one. So like, I just don't know how we would adjust to all those specificities. You know what I mean? If we truly want to solve the issue. And I think with, and I think a better way to solve for the issues is to like, maybe like, cause I don't know if money will be able to solve all those. Cause my thing is that even in countries where you do see them like taking steps for education, when you do see them taking steps for, you know, like paid maternity leave, paid paternity leave, there's still a wage gap. It's never, there's no wage gap. It's always, there's a smaller wage gap. I also think it could be because of the jobs. I know this is kind of like a BS answer, but I do believe in some small percentage, it is true. What kind of jobs you pick? Like I just researched, how many doctors like 64 percent of doctors are men and 36 percent of women and you can see it with doctors well, we're, all doing, we're doing like, comparisons inside the sector itself though right like we're looking at a female engineer versus a male engineer that's what i'm saying though, that like most of the high paying jobs that you look at now take up a lot of time maybe that's why women or that's why there is a larger pay gap as well because to be a mom and be a doctor being a doctor is like 24 hour shifts things like that it's hard to take care of kids so maybe women are more likely to be ner- I don't know, I think nurses at the same time, maybe they're more likely to choose less time consuming jobs than like same thing with lawyers too. lawyers, they work your money is based off how many hours. So it's more timely. So I think that could also be a reason. No, but I'm saying does that matter if we're just looking at like male engineer, how much they're making versus female engineer, because we're not looking at how much money men make in total versus how much money women make in total. We're looking at specific jobs. So I'm saying it doesn't really matter how many women work in that sector if we're just looking at the job itself. For, well, then I, th- I think the pay gap is different. I don't think the pay gap that I found represents that. I do think it's kind of less than if you look at, of course, it's going to be different for each occupation, but I don't think it's as big. Um, yeah. I want to get into the part that you said about uh the pay gap being inevitable, though, I thought that was pretty cool. I just wanted to hear your thoughts to wrap up the episode. You guys have any ideas where I can go? I think I have a pretty good idea. 
um, I don't think the pay gap will ever be there just by the way we're measuring it because I don't know the way we're 17 years I think 217 years I mean according I found this thing that said by 2059 if we keep doing what we're doing the the wage gap will be even but I don't think that's going to happen just based based off how they're measuring now across occupations I do think it'll be even but um not across like if you do the general of all occupations I'd never think that'll be equal I think the thing is, even if you look at countries that are doing very well, I, I what are the statistics? 97 cents to a man's dollar, 92 cents to a man's dollar. I think at the end of the day, right now, the solutions that are being taken aren't solving for it 100%. I think there needs to be newer ideas because like this slow, like, oh, in 70 years, we'll deal with the pay gap. Like, no, I think if it was a man receiving less money than a woman, like that would never happen. I also think we're going to see, I'm curious to see how the idea of the wage gap changes a little bit as we see more maybe like fluidity between like gender norms. Um, I think specifically like with our generation, because I think Gen Z's are the most, um, I don't know. We push the barriers the most of any generation when it comes to like, you know, gender balances within a relationship, you know, um, and even like gender identity, it's like and sexual identity itself. So I'm just curious to see how wages are affected because now like it's a lot more normal for the women to, women to be the head of the household rather than the man, vice versa, maybe even equal in some circumstances or to have more unconventional jobs that results in it being different. So I'm curious to see how those factors play into it. Yeah, eventually. Honestly, we could just go back to the days when we all traded stuff. Like we traded <laughs> animals. That, that, then we'd have equality then. No pay gap. Trade like one sheep for a moose or something like that. All right. Well, on that lovely note, I think we had... a holy fuck, a very long conversation today. Um, I, I don't know, maybe after editing it'll be shorter, whatever. Anyways, um, as usual, you can always check out our sources on our website, thethoughtcafepodcast.com, and check out our Instagram for weekly updates on what the hell we're doing, run by our very own lovely Mira Zola. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and found it thought-provoking, and if you disagree, like, hit us up in our comments. We love to hear disagreements. We love to see people being like, well, actually, like, whatever. Always fun stuff, but but um, on that note, I think we're going to kind of shut it down for this week. Um, and also, just really quickly, follow us on TikTok because I finally posted our posted our first TikTok and it took me like three hours to make. So um, please, we have like, wait, let's see how many followers we have. I think we have like two and one of them is my sister. So um, we have three. So like, please just, you know, like it up. Yeah. See ya. Bye.